0: culture of innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation. Hear their stories and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative, where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. And I'm your host, Nancy Ridge, and today I am very pleased and excited to welcome our special guest all the way from Germany, Bernhard Fredericks. I could just say a little bit about Bernhard's background, he is a seasoned partnership strategy and operations expert and the founder of Partner Experience, known as PXP. With about 20 years of global business development experience in Europe, the US, and Asia, he specializes in helping SaaS companies achieve capital-efficient growth through partnerships. Bernhard also provides strategic guidance for US firms Entering the European market. And additionally, he shares his insights through mentoring startups and contributing to developing and promoting ISO 44001 at the Institute for Collaborative Working, AKA ICW. As most of our listeners know, I'm passionate about partner experience and how it impacts customer experience and ultimately revenue. So, Bernhard, I'm super excited to have you here to talk about this topic today. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hello, Nancy. Um, well, thank you, thank you very much for that really nice introduction, and um, thank you for having me in your podcast. Um, as always, it's like it's it's a real pleasure talking to you and exchanging, um, especially about our shared passion, partner experience, and collaborative working. Um, we and we met already in several areas in the world and talked about it, and we and it's really cool. Um to be here now having a, a podcast together. Um, thank you very much for the introduction. Me, I'm looking forward to the podcast.
0: Me too. I'm very excited about it. And you also have something in common with uh, Norman, Norma Wattenpau, who is one of my partners over at the yes. Phoenix Consulting Group. She also uh, works with the ICW and ISO standards. So uh, another, another thing in common. And as you know, Norma and I just released our ebook, Partners Are the Customer Experience on Amazon. So we're always seeking more data on this topic. So we were so delighted to learn of the incredible research that you recently released in your playbook titled, Leading the Way to Capital Efficient Growth with Partnerships that you wrote uh, with your co-author, Martin Schultz. So I I just want to give a little background here and and kind of what my thinking was as I reached out to you today with this, you know, as 2023 begins to wind down, you know, it's, it's common to take stock on how trends and technology and events shape the year. And a common refrain that I heard from many different quarters was, it's been a different year. And with some gentle probing, I've come to learn that that translates as numbers were down. Forecasts weren't quite met, and uncertainty was the general condition across many industries and sectors. And some of the hard facts that we know are more than 183,000 workers in U.S.-based tech companies were laid off. And the Fed here, of course, raised interest rates five times from four and a half percent to between five and a quarter, five and a half today. I haven't checked it this morning, but you know that going back to your playbook you know many of the PE investors began to call for ROI from companies in the channel who took huge sums in 2021 and 2022 mm-hmm. causing shifts that impacted partner trust service provider performance and customer experience so bernhard you and martin um by all accounts began your research like close to two years ago on this yet it is so incredibly timely today. What prompted you to do this research?
1: Yeah um yeah, I think I mean to be to be fair, like I think actually I think the the, the whole research um, that Martin and I talked about in our playbook or that that went into the playbook to about capital efficient growth started almost probably two decades ago. Uh, through experience made, lessons learned, working in SaaS businesses and other industries uh, in companies of different sizes and different stages, um, where we were mer- yeah, mainly working in, in business development areas, like tasks to you know internationalize, going to different countries, um, expand, co-innovate the product by technology partners, um, work with channel partners to expand, uh, grow faster. Um, and all this um, actually went into that playbook in, in a lot of... Um, yeah, business cases and and um, um, yeah, experience that we share there, actually. Um, the, the reason why we published our playbook on capital efficient growth through partnerships was um, and, and doing it now is that we want to help leaders and investors to understand better how to integrate partnerships in their business model, um, especially as an effective go-to-market strategy and a tool to grow their business. And it is, in fact, timely now because um, – I mean, we see in the figures that you present is mm-hmm. like well, pumping an abundance of, of cheap cash to burn in sales and marketing activities in order to just grow uh, until the next investment round as a model is just obsolete. It's like investors, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they look still into growth, of course, but also efficiency and burn rate and, and other aspects that make sure the business model is sustainable. Uh, are increasingly important because we don't know how many more investment rounds they are coming, and and as a and another factor why we wrote this now is, um, well, when we founded Partner Experience in two thousand twenty one, since then a lot has happened in the business world. So like the partnership space was affected, um, um a lot of more activities, communities, research, and content has been produced. Um, and super happy that also about partner experience that you and norma um published your ebook about this space and 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 do this research as well to you know raise awareness and and show mm-hmm. what is what is partner experience about and and so there's a lot of content coming and when i'm thinking back like almost 3 years ago i i i registered the name partnerexperience.com by then everybody was talking about customer experience right nobody was talking about partner experience that was really not a thing um Mm -hmm. and now and and really i didn't know that by then and 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 we didn't know that and now we see like there's a lot of more information coming and and we finally see like it's taking off because there's a timing is there and 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 we see um actually people are receptive for that idea Um, To to come now. And we think it's like a a great moment now because we can help with that knowledge that has been gathered over a longer time um, because companies need that right now.
0: They do. They do. It is such, uh, the timing is so perfect because we're going through such a huge shift with digital transformation. So many companies are going through that process. And I know that it's common Uh, to say, oh, yes, digital transformation is old hat. But really, when you look Mm -hmm. at it, you know, from a functional perspective, really how businesses operate, uh, I I saw a stat just last week that one of the big analyst firms came out with that said that around 40% only of companies have truly gone through digital transformation in terms of their overall business model. So, you know, the part partnering is a, a very large part of that. And so I think, again, extremely timely, you know, that we're looking at this. And one of the comments that you that you made, uh, one of the statements was pretty unequivocal. It said, a good company is not primarily defined by growth now, it's defined by efficiency. And yet, do you feel that those other 60%, let's say, of CEOs truly know and understand how
1: partnering impacts efficiency? Um, so I'm saying it this way. I, I think it depends on the experience level of the CEOs. What What I mean is like we're, we're just coming from a period of 10 or 15 years, depending on the country, of low to no interest rates. So there, there was not much incentive. To learn more efficient go-to-market strategies, like mm. leveraging partnerships and ecosystems, so there, there was not really much demand to learn about any other go-to-market model. So, what what that created was a, a gap of knowledge in this sense, um, mm-hmm. for yeah, like kind of a generation of a, of a, um, CEOs, I would say, um, what what is or, or business leaders. Um, so what I see there's a big knowledge right now, in you know, in in deep understanding, what's the difference between Transactional relationship, uh, like a customer and a supplier that transact, they transact on a value uh, for 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 money. And when the transaction is done, they have a clear cut and go out. And on the other hand, collaborative partnerships, uh, collaborative relationships, what we call partnerships, where you have a partner and a partner, which are two companies that decide to go into the same direction for a certain amount of time. And that needs a completely different behavior and relationship and, and communication with each other, um, and which is completely different than to the transactional relationships mm-hmm. that we were focused on in the in the last time. And um, and what is here an issue that I see then is that business leader therefore, because it was like this for for a decade or longer, always fall back now to what they know what worked until now. To, so they are trying to understand and to measure partnerships with methods they have available. So partnerships then often are handled like another form of sales uh, and be measured and forecasted by a revenue KPI. And, and I think, I mean, we, we spoke once about it and I feel that really, it's really interesting. You do not apply a revenue KPI on a, on a developer that writes code. So why (laughs) would you do that with a partner manager? I mean, Mm -hmm. that does not even sign a client contract. Um, So (laughs) for the developer, and for the partner manager, don't get me wrong, revenue is very important, pays their salary. And they both have a significant impact uh, on, on revenue. But basically, it's a, just a result of the long work that they do and, res- and that comes out of it. So I think the measurement, how we measure success in partnerships is something that needs to be learned and also the impact to understand that. And that is not just revenue. There's much more impact that we that, that in partnerships, that partnerships bring to the overall business. Um, yes, yes. And, and, and I want to important. dive into
0: that specifically with you because you really uh, do a great job of laying that out through two primary uh, areas. One is customer lifetime value, and the other is customer acquisition costs. So why mm-hmm. are these the key elements in capital efficiency through partnerships?
1: Yeah, so we we spoke about those two. We we also added um, you know um, um, speed and and risk in a later what you can see like also as other components. But when we look into like the financial figures and when we look into customer lifetime value, so customer lifetime value. If you take that, that actually exists on from yeah basically customer lifetime value when you see it is like mrR times the duration mm-hmm. of the lifetime right. like the what, what we have and and so if we take partnerships um, so what you want to do is like you want to increase of course the the value and what you want to do also you want to increase like the the time the customer pays that value um and and exchange the money and there is and that is the efficiency is in this sense what we can do with partnerships is like we can increase the product value for example by creating more integrations um, mm-hmm. that uh, for example a common set of a customer buys a solution A and a solution B and when you do a meaningful a valuable integration and a good integration that really you know takes away process for example um, you can increase. The value of your product by just without like creating more product on your own, but making into integration with another existing uh, solution that is there. So yes, yes, means we like,
0: call that the magic multiplier.
1: Yeah, that when when one plus one equals three or more in this case. Right. so <laughs> having added value really. That and and that is where you efficiently can increase the value through partnerships. You can also. Um, for example, the, the life, like the duration is you can, the, the more integrations you have, the, the harder it gets probably for a customer to uh, change the, the vendor because you will all lose a lot of integrations that you like to, that, that you have. Um, so that means like the retention is also uh, higher with the number of integrations that you do. Um, and And also when we look into the playbooks, we show like a lot of different examples there, but there's also sometimes you can increase the the MRR simply through trust because you can mm-hmm. um, you have a, a faster buy-in because your customer or your indirect customer buys from your from your partner and they are willing mm-hmm. to you know pay that premium or pay uh, the value and not you know negotiate that hard or running like a year of a pilot session or whatever because they trust. Uh, their existing partner because they already have a relationship with them. So oh, yeah. basically, that brings more uh, of this, and that you know leads oh, yeah. to the other topic: customer acquisition costs, which is extremely important when we see in w- the time where we just came from. Is like you have a you have a customer acquisition payback period. Um, I don't know what you figures have heard, but I, I sometimes it's twenty four months, thirty six months, forty eight months. That right. means like if you yeah. if you sell something now. You start probably being profitable with it in two, three, four years, which is 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 crazy. Um, and and partnerships can reduce significantly significantly the the, uh, the the sales cycle because you don't need to build all the trust, you don't need to push so much into marketing, um, because you already, you know, work with an existing relationship through your partner, and that reduces significantly the customer acquisition costs, which right, which right. makes it more efficient. Yeah,
0: 100%. And you know, um, in the the work that Norma and I did, we found that trust was absolutely foundational. Uh, And we also found that 72% of the time partners were providing integration or professional services, which is such a huge contributor to that value multiplier effect. And uh, your report also talked about how it does lead to that retention. Like oftentimes, I think the number you showed was 36% Mm -hmm. with five or more integrations. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just so phenomenal to look at that because we are in a subscription-based world today, especially in the SaaS world. And so it's all about retention. In fact, some segments of partners are strictly retention partners. And that is the Mm -hmm. great value that they bring is that they... Uh, continue to keep, as Jay McBain says, keep that customer not just bringing them to the dance floor and getting them out there dancing, but keeping them dancing all night long. I love that mm-hmm. analogy. <laughs> but it. I mean, those numbers are significant, thirty six percent with five or more. And um, you know, the other thing I love about that is the fact that you know you're looking at the the joint value proposition that the partner brings to the table, and perhaps they've had, a relationship with that customer for many years. So to your point, the speed is impacted significantly because you don't have to get a sales rep who's working hard, you know, in the front end to build a relationship to even get to the point where the customer will consider your product or service. That's already yeah. built in through the partner.
1: Yeah, it comes with like, uh, just like the the trust, what, what it speeds up uh, in this terms is, Um, We have another example when you go international, um, Mm. you know, if you, if you work with a, with, um, we, we show this, this case study where um, we've been basically during the time of COVID um, expanding to Japan. And uh, I have never been in Japan. I have, I have like basically not once, not until today. And we we have created a reselling partnership there um, that is, was really successful. And that was, really made out of trust. Uh, COVID Mm -hmm. made it that we could only speak via phone. Uh, And the most important thing was there, you know, uh, culturally to find together, to find the way of communication and build trust there. And having that trusted partner somewhere on the other side of the world, and then basically working with you and helping to bring your products. And the partner also has like a a massive gain out of this. And you trust each other by by doing this. Um, If you compare doing this alone, uh understanding the market, going out there, trying to find the sales rep, trying to educate the sales rep, telling them all the, like, just getting this feeling it, it would have taken probably two years or more longer to just reach to that level um, than compared to working with a partner abroad, which is like, you know, it's like, I, I would call it is working with a, with, a, with a reseller abroad is like basically traveling with a with a local guide. Who, who shows you like the, the famous spots which are not the touristic areas and the, the hidden the hidden games and the, you know it's kind of um, it makes life so much easier and, yes. and it makes speed so much faster yeah.
0: yes and it really minimizes the risk yes. of going yes. global which most companies know that today they need to do that and yet it is considered risky but through the example that you just gave, and look at that, you know, building a relationship without meeting in person even. You know, we've accelerated to the next level through technology.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, what you say, um, risk management here in this sense is like, you can go there, you don't need to invest in this whole, like or like hiring profile and adjusting your product and then don't know in which kind you have to adjust the product and your partner can tell you actually look you need to translate this but you don't need to do this. And and basically having a, a guide here is like also a partner is it's also much easier in, in terms of the investments that you do. You 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 do like an, an educated risk. You can you know you can also if you see it's not working, it's not that hard to adjust and, you know, change the route. or Right, or,
0: right. Yeah. Which, of course, there are always pitfalls, right? So maybe you could talk a little bit of perhaps some of the pitfalls to watch out for.
1: Yeah, I mean... Um, in, you mean specifically in 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 working with partners on on on, on the trust level, or in which kind of pitfalls you well, want you know, as we're talking thing.
0: about expanding, you know, from a, in a global perspective. But you know, this mm-hmm. could be true expanding into any market. Uh, you know, I think knowing the partner, you you gave the analogy of having a guide that can take you about, but you know, making sure that that guide is also the right guide, a trustworthy yeah. guide that they're going to take you the places you want to go and they have <laughs> yeah. the entree to do so. That matters too, like qualifying your, your partners.
1: Yeah, and yeah you know, I think like one pitfall is probably one, one very common uh, when, when you go and you know you need a lot of trust. you need a lot of understanding of how collaborative uh, relationships work. Uh, and I think one pitfall can be if you if you see your partner as a customer, uh, because that makes you to a supplier. And um, if you see your partner as a partner, they see you as a partner. And um, especially in this way, um, you know that you need to have a, a, a yeah a huge amount of knowledge sharing. Um, and you need to know what kind of knowledge you can share actually before entering the, the the relationship. Because it can happen that you, you know, you say, okay, let's partner, you sign the contracts, you go forward. And then at a certain step, you say like, okay, I don't want to share actually this information because it's like my core uh, intellectual property. So you need to know that before. And that's one pitfall that can happen if you go in that partnership and you not think about it before and actually without that piece of information, your partner cannot execute the partnership. So that is that is one of those things that you have to think before um, entering partnerships. So as a pitfall, is like, what do I need to enable my partner? And am I willing to share that amount of information? And is my partner actually sharing back the amount of information because he gives me entrance to the clients so it's like also requires a huge um, amount of trust because it's it's their reputation that is there um basically um in the line yeah yeah that's a really
0: good point uh to recognize and respect the fact that you also are impacting the reputation of that partner and yes. you know, it speaks to also retention, you know, of partners and continuing to grow those relationships. You talk about that, you know, again going back to the retention for a moment in the report, and how you know churn can be a problem for SaaS companies, uh, mm-hmm. particularly due to poor adoption. Like we hear that over and over again, that organizations will get excited about a SaaS solution. And they may go ahead and make a commitment to it, but then their employees and their organization doesn't readily adopt it. And so they lose that retention. And that's where uh, well-trained and onboarded partners can make a difference. You were talking about uh, in the report. Mm-hmm. Can you expand a little bit more on, on that and why that works?
1: Yeah, so I, 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 one of the points here is like, so if you work with, a, so there are, I mean, this different kind of partners where you look into different partner categories and different partner types. And the one we were referring there is like the service partner um, um, as an example. So you could go like, you know, channel partner selling for you, a marketing partner helping you with marketing, product partner, co-innovation. And here in service is something, if your product is really, um, so you focus on the product itself, uh, but your product needs uh, a certain amount of integration or onboarding for your customers. Mm-hmm. And there you are well advised if you take uh, and if your core product is really developing the product, you, you can't be good in everything. So there are specialized service partners where you can go that already have an existing customer relationship uh, or basically just focused on providing this service. Um, they, they are more capable to understand, um, how they better um, train your customer? How they make sure that the usage of your tool is is more? Because the more the client use the tool, the more value they see in it, and the uh, un- more less likely they are to to um, churn. And and so if you have a product that requires a certain level of onboarding, a certain level of integration, then. Um, Really making sure to you know invest into into that one and make sure that you have a partner that is well trained on that, um, that will take over this function and only focus on this one. And by just focusing on this one, they will be already better um, because they do this just as their their main activity. Um, so that is really something that that um, can help because you can't be perfect in everything. And I think right. the 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 new thing that we have in nowadays is like to have a competitive advantage, you need to be really good in many things. And the idea of partnerships is we have the chance right now to be connected to a lot of companies that do certain steps that you need in your business model really good. And you can connect with them to take their service to bring your product to the customers. And and that is one of the examples with a with a service partner that can help you to retain customers to really focus on to understand um, how they use the product and and circle back that feedback so that you can, you know, keep developing the product, um, but having like a really, like um, uh, a a good connection um, to, to the customer feedback still.
0: Yes. And delivering that, that Holy Mm -hmm. grail of customer experience that the Mm -hmm. customer is achieving the business outcome that they're looking for.
1: Yes. That's Mm -hmm. Uh, one one thing i th- i'm i just had that it just came up um so i mean another thing like nowadays because we i'm just thinking about it the because of terms of timely i think we see like inbound and outbound is becoming increasingly difficult um i mean since covid uh you know we have um um office phone numbers probably are kind of that <laughs> because people are at home office. The email inbox is full as usual and, and probably LinkedIn outreaches. I think maybe that can become also spam 2.0. So uh, there's one thing what a partner can also really do in terms of speed is um, they can reach, they can help you to build that connection to the client, like really to reach through all the noise. Um, and, and that is, where trust comes into play because mm-hmm. we are over flooded by a lot of content and a lot of outreach, uh, possibilities. And there is something where, where a partner that is like then a referral partner or reseller, uh, co-selling that, you know, that they are help through the trust that they already have, that they haven't, you know, have a voice, um, and, and they can help you to reduce significantly the, the sales cycle, um, to, to, to reach out to the clients because that is, I think, very in the moment. And it's we're going to see that it's increasingly fast changing, um, like how to reach somebody. And, yes, and their yes. partner relationships are really important. Yeah.
0: yeah, our data and yours were very similar. Like your report talked about um, partners closing deals 46% faster. Or deals would close faster with partners uh, 46% of the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we saw similar numbers. Uh, and we're not the only ones. You know, there have been plenty of studies that are now bearing that out, that deals do close faster. And it is based on that trust and on the fact, I think, too, that uh, partners are specialized in many cases. We, we've seen that, for example, like one of the clients that, uh, that Norm and I have been working with recently, you know, they provide a product that helps uh, SMBs and SMEs. Uh, digitally transform their processes, Uh, business process automation is Mm -hmm. a big part of the outcome that they get to bring to clients. And so they look for, they've been looking for partners, we've been helping them identify partners who already have that expertise, and where clients go to those partners specifically to help them with things like business process automation. And so when they do that, and and maybe even through another trusted source, like let's say, you know, the Google marketplace, or, you know, some other ecosystem. And wow, you talk about accelerating the outcome, it mm-hmm. really is impactful. And this, of course, is going to tying this all back, you know, to the idea of, funding going to organizations, you know, being able to demonstrate these types of results back to the investors. Do you see that as being a way for uh, these emerging SaaS companies to continue to gain the funding that they need?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so so one thing that we saw, like funding is still there, like good companies mm-hmm. get still good money. Um, what What is important is that they uh, because you, as I said in the beginning, like they are looking, venture capital or investors look more into how is the efficiency rate? Um, how, you know, how, how f- f- for what is the price for the growth? Um, and, and so um, that is very, so there is still money, but the thing is like there's a little bit more, yeah, they're more cautious in terms of seeing that they don't want to burn too much of it. And um, with with partnerships, you can prove that. And I think, one thing you mentioned, there are there are numbers, and luckily there are more and more numbers coming, and more serious research is done, and we can really look into this one and can prove the figures. But there's also like all the cases that we have been looking for, but we didn't measure it. So I, I you know, remembering that sometimes you know I, I had one case. we working in a company where many years and then you know partnerships was running under the hood and at some moment you realize it's over 50% of the revenue that actually comes from partnerships. <laughs> so and that is that is kind of and there are many examples of this Um, when I'm speaking um, with with companies like how much do you expect can come from partnerships and the thing is like how do you measure and that is what we need to develop uh something more like we need to understand it's not just revenue KPI. It's it's a lot of impact that we need to measure um, yes. to to prove that where partnerships has an impact. Um, and we need to make sure that um, we have the systems in place to measure that. Um, also have like an understanding that we don't push that into the, you know, into the, let's say only into sales patterns or only, only into revenue measurement, uh, but really apply the proper KPIs that A partner manager really influences and then, you know, see that we can also report back um, at the end how much revenue has been or or not just revenue. Also, how much efficiency in improvement, how much customer acquisition cost reduction, how much speed we gained through partnerships, like to really show what is the real value of partnerships. So it's impact measurements rather than than, than revenue measurement for partnerships, I would say.
0: Well said and very exciting. I am thrilled, Bernhard, to be a colleague of yours, to be as uh, committed and passionate. And there are others like us uh, who are also really dedicating you know, all of our thought leadership to this very thing. And I know that it's going to uh, continually get better as we focus on it and we'll be able to. Bring this data to those CEOs to help them feel uh, very comfortable in their digital transformation process that they are serving their investors, their uh, shareholders, and ultimately their customers. So, uh, yes. I I want, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It sounds like you have a thought that you need to add here. I mean,
1: I I have this because I I put it once on the slide and it keeps coming back. It's like, actually, I think um, also when Jay McBain was first speaking about the era of ecosystems and the timing Uh that we have, when you look into the figures, like, is it the time right now? And, um, you know, in SARS, we have the technology, we can connect right now. So everything is really set up for partnerships right now and the pressure about uh, efficiency and cost reduction. So like the timing is really good. And I, I, I think there's, I don't know if you, uh, there's Victor Hugo as a, um, a French philosopher who said like, nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the idea of partnerships and ecosystem, that, that is not new. I mean, that exists for a long time, but right. it's time has come right now because all the signals are there for it. You bet. It's here.
0: Very exciting. And I, on that note, I, I do like to have some fun here at, uh, at the podcast. And one of the ways mm-hmm. that we like to do that is to look into the future and say, or even like right now, mm-hmm. um, what innovation would you most like to see gain adoption? And it could be anything. It could be directly related to what we're talking about at the mm-hmm. moment, um, or it could be something very whimsical. I have guests who come up with all kinds of... Uh, ideas and i'm just curious what's floating around in in your head today bernhard about innovation well well,
1: when i when i when i look around in the moment and i think about it i think um but since i'm moving in in so top of my mind since i'm moving in two weeks to valencia oh Oh um, my god like really high on the list and i hope that could be developed still in within two weeks would be like a mobile 3d printer for furniture and home appliances because Packing that whole thing and packing it out again oh. is like uh, that would be really helpful. That would be. I
0: love that. <laughs> that would transform the whole moving experience, wouldn't it? It allow us to truly be digital natives.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it doesn't happen so often, but when it happens, like it takes a lot of. Um, so I mean, at that moment, I think this this three D printing. Yeah, I mean, it's then and yeah, that should come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. So um, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are attaching the entire report to our podcast notes for our listeners to access and share. And if you want to know more, I encourage you, please reach out to Bernhard in the links that we will provide. And thank you again for being with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank
1: and you Thank you Nancy. listeners.
0: You're so welcome. And thanks to our listeners, too, for being with us today. And I would just remind you, don't forget to subscribe at iTunes to get updates on new episodes. You'll also find us at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation. And be sure to check us out at www.ridgeinnovative.com. Have a breakthrough day. We'll see you next time.